Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Awesome. This is your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. And we are here today to unpack what is infinite banking. And we've been doing this for several months, I would say now. This is part 10 of a long series on what is infinite banking. And so we're just ready, ready to really kind of bring all of the pieces together in one spot for you and really put a cap on what is infinite banking. Now, a couple of reasons you might be interested in this conversation. One, you might have been following along with the series and you're curious to know what infinite banking, what about infinite banking makes it infinite, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Or maybe you're in a position of just coming and finding this show for the very first time and you're saying, I'm curious about infinite banking. I've heard about it. It sounds really cool. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm not sure what it does. I'm not really quite sure how it works. And I'd like to be able to understand it well enough to explain it to myself or to explain it to my wife or my husband or a business partner or somebody that I'm talking to about my financial choices. And maybe you would just like to have a little bit clearer picture of what exactly infinite banking is so that you can communicate more clearly about it. I'm a huge fan of knowing that If you can express something clearly, then you probably understand it pretty well. If you can't explain it very well, maybe you don't understand it as well as you'd like. So we are here to just deliver um, down-to-earth content that really helps you to be able to make decisions. So Bruce, we've been on this trajectory for quite a while. We first started with what is infinite banking? What is whole life insurance? What is the special design? of life insurance that makes it suitable and useful for infinite banking. We've talked about what is cash value, what's a death benefit. We talked about what is a dividend, what is interest, what are policy loans, what's a mutual company, what can I do with dividends, what's the strategy of using specially designed life insurance, Um, what is interest charged on a policy loan, what can I do with infinite banking, which is where we landed last time in this series. Um, actually, no, last time was what infinite banking is not. And today we're talking about what is infinite about infinite banking. I'd love to hear your thoughts before we really dive into this conversation today. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank everybody that uh, listens. And uh, we went over 24,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. And we really appreciate when people listen and subscribe. Uh, our goal from the very beginning is to provide as much educational content, although I do believe whole life insurance could be a foundational thing for every family. Uh, You really have to understand why it is good for your particular situation or family. And um, that has been our goal. As I continue to uh, learn more and more about the insurance industry, which I I think uh, everybody should be lifelong learners if they really want to understand something, um, I am bothered by the fact that there's a lot of sensationalism um, out there, especially on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm always trying to help the industry by uh, um, correcting when I see what I would call fundamental flaws in the explanation. Now, there are some flaws that I see, but I wouldn't say they're fundamental when 
people are comparing like whole life to IULs or whole life to uh, mutual funds or whole life to indexing investing or whole life to ETFs or so on and so forth. There's some philosophy flaws there, but that depends on how you what you think. But there's some fundamental flaws about um, the explanation of infinite banking. And I want to make sure that people understand that if you get through all those flaws and you understand it from the, the idea that this is just a alternative place to save money that currently is better than in the banks, and I frankly think it's going to continue to be better than the banks. And the reason for my feelings on that is between 2008 and currently, you know, people in the United States have stored between 13 and 17 trillion dollars in bank accounts when they were getting basically no return. So if you think about it, as interest rates are going up, we're starting to see a little creep in banks that are actually going up with interest rates, but I don't think it's ever going to return to where it was previously because banks believe that they can always go to the Federal Reserve and get more money if they if they mm-hmm. really need so I don't I think we have what I call a new normal. So now that sets up then what you should be looking at what we're the topic today is how to make infinite banking infinite. Now Nelson had told me more on more than one occasion he said that infinite meant for him that there was an infinite ways to apply the concept. And so you really wouldn't have one set way. Now, that's different than a lot of people that are touting this concept out there that say there's only one way of doing it. And um, you, if you've done any research on this, you've probably have run across this type of concept. So there's multiple ways that you should be looking at this. The other thing that may be more important to you as your family is Infinite meaning from Nelson is how to keep that money going from one generation to the next. Mm -hmm. And understanding that and then teaching it to your children so that they can teach it to your grandchildren. In some cases, you can teach it to your grandchildren is the way that you can make it infinite. However, Rachel, as we've pointed out on many occasions, and our friend James Nethery has pointed this out on a variety of Uh, occasions to me and on his show is that the insurance agents are really rugged individualists. And so when you're a rugged individualist, what, what we mean by that is you don't have a team behind you. You simply go out, present strategies. You sell the strategies. In most cases, it's good for the um, particular family or individual but then the servicing has been very poor in the past. And then if mm-hmm. that person becomes, it dies, becomes disabled, retires, or gets out of the industry, there's a phrase in the industry called you become an orphan. And the orphan, as we all know, is not a good thing. You're, you're now alone without any help. Well, in order to make infinite banking infinite, and I did a, I actually did a talk on this at the Nelson Nash Institute think tank one year is you must have a strategy and a succession plan. In other words, if myself or one of our other uh, insurance producers, advisors 
um, sets you up with something and then myself dies or becomes disabled or the other advisor dies or becomes disabled, do you have a plan to continue this going on and on? And we do that. And we have um, client coordinators that sit in and we also keep a copious note, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> copious notes. And then we have a system that we review every year. Thus, if something were to happen to us, a, a new person could step in. And then when you pass from this earth, earth, or as Nelson used to say, graduate from this earth, then that death benefit's going to pass on to someone. And if it's set up properly and you have made your uh, family constitution or your family trust, make sure that the next generation now takes that death benefit and funds their whole life insurance. And then they grow, they, they live and thrive in this world. And then they pass away. They've already taught their next generation, in this case, the grandchildren, that they should now fund whole life insurance with that death benefit. And this thing mushrooms along generations with the leverage that's provided. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about trying to make infinite banking infinite. The first thing is you have to communicate in, with, in your family. The second thing is you need to work with an organization that has a succession plan that's going to continue these thoughts within the um, agency itself so that it, it can become infinite along the way. I love that you shared those two components that have to be in place in order for something to be infinite. I mean, if you think about something infinite, I mean, in my mind, I consider maybe looking at a pair of railroad tracks and you're looking from where you stand right now. And there's these railroad tracks in front of you that continue if it's a straight track and you have a, a lot of room of the ground in front of you, you're going to see them come together to a vanishing point at the horizon and they're going to continue on past the horizon. And it's this idea of having this infinite track or running room ahead of you when you're making decisions about something that's going to benefit you best right now. You're thinking not only about how is that impacting your family today, but along that trajectory, those train tracks all the way into the horizon. How is it going to continue to benefit and improve those lives ahead of you? And so thinking in terms of that infinite nature, yes, the communication within your family is crucial. If you have all of this financial wisdom and knowledge that you've gained, and you've started whole life policies, and you have an infinite banking system in your family, and you don't communicate, and you don't have any guidance in place for the next generation to continue on what you've done, you could say, well, we'll leave it up to chance. Hopefully they'll say, mom and dad were really wise with money. They set us up for success. Well, let's hopefully do that for our kids. But you don't have to leave it up to chance. You don't have to just say, well, hopefully they learned from what we chose to do and make the same decisions. You can communicate that directly and make sure that they understand why you're doing that and the reasons that you have that in place, not only for today, but for the future. And then absolutely, Bruce, I mean, there's nothing else that would just stop your plans for the rest of your family than saying, well, we started this great plan. We hoped that it was going to create great things in the future, but we didn't review on an annual basis or we didn't have a succession plan in place. We got four, five, six years down the road. You still have a policy, but you don't have a team continuing to work on your behalf. 
what's going to happen then? Is it going to fall apart? Is it, I mean, not, not that your policy would fall apart, you would still get paid the death benefit, but how could you continue on those plans that you initially set in motion if you don't have the correct support system? And so thank you for bringing both of those components into play today. I think what's interesting is that when you think about infinite, I mean, another word for infinite could be perpetual, right? Or if you think about something that begins now and continues forever, I mean, that's what the word infinite means. If you think about numbers, you start at zero and they go infinitely larger in one direction and infinitely smaller in the other direction. This this continuum never stops. And if we think about infinite banking, why would it be called infinite if it wasn't infinite? And what makes it infinite? So what makes it able to be perpetuated and continue to have a benefit beyond the moment that you put it in place? And so I think one of the things that I really want to bring to light today, there's an article written by a guy named Les McGuire. This was back in 2003. I would say he was one of the pioneers in, not the pioneer. I mean, Nelson Nash really did a lot of work with infinite banking and popularized the term and wrote the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. But Les McGuire was really crucial at the forefront of using infinite banking and whole life insurance specifically. And he talked about something called certainty. And he wrote an article called The Economic Value of Certainty. We can link it in the notes. We have it available for download if you want to go check that out. But this whole concept of having some form of solid ground and a foundation that you have created and built in your own financial life allows you the springboard to make infinite choices that you would not otherwise be comfortable making if you didn't have that solidarity, that 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 basement that you would never drop below, that solid ground beneath your feet. So he basically was talking about if you have financial certainty in the form of whole life insurance, where we know that we have a cash value available to us, it's never going to drop in value. We're never going to not be able to access it. And you're never going to be in a position where it um, just isn't, is not there for you. You know that this storage tank of, of reserves of cash storage in your life, in your business, your family, wherever you're storing that is available to you. That gives you the protection and certainty of knowing that, well, because I have this capital, I can choose to do this investment or take this opportunity or take this different direction in my business that if you didn't have that private bank, if you didn't have that store of uh, a war chest, you might be a lot more, um, a lot hesitant. Yeah, hesitant or more reserved, or you may not take advantage of an opportunity that's a really good opportunity because you're trying to do too many things with your other cash and, um, and you're, weakening your ability if you don't have the solid ground. So that's called the economic value of certainty. And I think that is one of the main things that allows infinite banking to create infinite opportunities in your life because your thinking becomes different when you have security. Yeah. And uh, this is very, this is related to the fact that when you do set this up as multiple policies for the next generation or even within your generation, but mainly for the, for the next generation, what you're doing is then you can really become a family bank because if, if a, if a family member comes to you and you set up your family 
board or your family assembly and that makes decisions. Now we're talking on a very high level where you. Still there, Bruce? Okay. So we're going to continue on with that thought and hopefully he'll be back with us in just one moment. Um, thank you, Wonder Jackson on YouTube. I could not hear Bruce either. So he lost um, some connectivity with the internet. So I'll continue on with some of these thoughts here. He's rejoining as we speak. So this idea of being able to have not only your store of capital today in your financial life, but you're creating something that can be used then for future generations. The benefit is if you have family members who need access to capital, and you're always going to have this, say there are um, family members who want to buy a multifamily apartment unit, or they want to start a business, they need access to capital. And where can they go to get that capital? Well, certainly they could go to the bank and they could request a loan or they could um, try to access capital through another tool. Hey, Bruce, are you back? Uh, well, yeah, I just decided to use my phone. We have a little internet problem here at the office. No problem. So um, Wonder Jackson on YouTube told us that you they couldn't hear you and I couldn't either. So I was continuing on some of your thoughts, but I'm not sure where you know that you left off. You had basically, I forgot the actual phrase, but you had just said, you're talking about a family board and a bank and having a family bank. And I don't know if this is where you were going, but I, I was saying, if you have family members that are needing capital, they're wanting access to capital, where better can they access capital than if you have that within the family already? I was saying other options would be going out and getting a loan. Um, sure. I'm not sure if you're going that direction or somewhere else. but Well, I, I was going that direction. And, and what, ha what happens in this situation, and I've actually done it with my own family, um, is you borrow against the family bank, which, which is the, 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 beneficiary, the beneficiaries are the trust. And if this person does borrow $200,000, $500,000, it has to be accepted by the family assembly or whatever you want to call that, the family board. And then there's payback terms just like normal. But if it fails and that person cannot pay it back, what they know is that that particular individual also has a whole life policy and the beneficiary is the trust. And so when they might not be able to pay it off during their lifetime, but they're able to pay it off at, upon their death. And it's set up in the trust language that, you know, an X amount will go to the family, but an X amount will also go the immediate family, but an X amount will go to paying off the, uh, the family bank um, in the trust. So this is a way that you can actually assure that. And what you were talking about, the economic, um, value is that you can help family members to take maybe more of a chance that they they wouldn't take and everybody knows they're going to get paid back mm -hmm. and so this is this is a a way that we have many of our clients that are actually using this to lend money not only to themselves but they're also lending it to family members uh, to buy automobiles and and they then have a policy on the family members. And if they don't pay the automobile back, then they know that a portion of their of their death benefit upon death will be will be paid back. So the family bank not only becomes whole, but it actually grows. And I mean just think about how you could use that as well for saying paying for college. Now my personal opinion is that not everyone should automatically say I have to go to college. 
But if there is a particular um, desire or need that they need a particular kind of schooling for or a certain degree, well, then you need to go to school if you're going to become a doctor, a, a lawyer, a surgeon, you know, in professions where the degree is required. So say, for instance, instead of the, the family just saying, well, here's 50 grand to go to college and as a gift, uh, just a handout. And instead of saying, well, you need to become financially responsible. So you're going to have to go pay your own way through school and get a job and take on your own um, potential student loans. Instead, you could have the opportunity to say, well, we provide the funding for this, this degree from the family bank. If we see that you're applying yourself, you're not uh, you know, you have a, a chosen degree that you're going towards, a, a major, that, a, a field of study. You're not just going to school for the party scene and taking six semesters to declare a major. You're in a position of having a goal. You know what you're going for. You're motivated. You're keeping your grades up. And you're in a position of saying, well, in those cases, we'll extend the loan. And we expect that you're going to have a field, uh, a career at the end that's going to be able to pay back the loan within a certain time frame, not... I went to a super prestigious school. I went to Harvard for a degree that I can't become employed in or that's not going to pay me anything worth um, or, or that's not going to pay me something that's going to be able to repay the loan. So you could think about using family banking as a way to continue to invest <clears throat> in the intellectual capital of the future members of the family, whether that be children or grandchildren or even further on, because you're having something that is a pool of capital available that they can borrow from and repay, which is going to replenish the whole family banking system for the next person to be able to use. And in that way, you're using capital to invest in the family. And the real wealth is in the family itself. And so you're not only growing the family money, you're growing the members of the of the family who are then going to be able to contribute back into what the family builds in terms of assets. And that's really creating this cycle of perpetual wealth that is going to continue to grow in each generation. Yeah. The final thing I wanted to say today is something I've mentioned in another podcast, but I think it, it really fits into today's topic of making infinite banking infinite. And it's the real life example of Nelson Nash that he actually lived. And I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was in the high 30s. I think it was 38. Nelson owned 38 policies. Hmm. Now, they were not all on Nelson. What's that? I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, Nelson had been around in, um, in the insurance industry for about 65, 60 to 65 years. And a lot of the, a lot of the policies were very small when he first started out in the 50s, you know, he would get uh, policies that were $25 a month. Mm. And, and actually, my first policy was was exactly that, that I took out myself, $25 a month in the middle 80s. And so he had a bunch of smaller policies, and then he grew to larger policies and larger policies. And a lot of them were then taken out on his two children, and then they were also taken out on the grandchildren. And then I, I, I know I've told this story at the think tank one year, uh, David Stearns relayed them after Nelson had died, that Nelson, right before he, he died, about two or three months, had come to him and said to David, his son-in-law, who now runs the Nelson Nash Institute, um, how, many, how much do you have in policy loans? And David was very nervous because 
the, one of the number one things in the becoming your own banker is don't steal the peas. In other words, you need to pay the loans back. But David and his wife, who is Nelson's uh, daughter, had had remodeled and added a big section on Nelson's home, which was her childhood home, which they had built, built or bought from Nelson. And they had $500,000 of loans out. And now Nelson's coming to him, the person who always says you got to pay the loans back. And he says to them, how many, how much do you have in loans? And, and he said, I squeamishly said, well, we have $500,000 of loans in our family banking system. And Nelson's reply was good because I'm having several million dollars go down to the next generation of family bank and you need someplace to store this money. And so this is an example of how the money has flown, a real life example, the money has flowed, flowed from Nelson's generation down to not only his next generation, but there were loans with the grandchildren too at that time. And they put it all out in the spreadsheet. And then, you know, David is and his uh, wife, Nelson's daughter, are, are living it. They've taken out more uh, policies on themselves and on their children. And that, that this is how you make infinite banking infinite. It's so practical. It really is because you're looking at a situation of saying, how do I benefit my own life today and my own life in the future? But how do I benefit my kids and my grandkids and their children? And if you're thinking about how you can make financial decisions right now, that are going to tremendously benefit multiple generations in the future, this is a powerful way to do that because it has the ability, and we've talked about this before as well, there's a leveraged up death benefit. What that means is when you're putting money into a specially designed whole life insurance policy or any whole life insurance policy for that matter, you know two things. You know there's going to be a death benefit that pays out whenever you pass away. And secondly, you know that that death benefit is going to be more than the dollars you paid in in premiums. What that means is if X dollars goes into the policy that I pay in during my lifetime, Y dollars always being more than X is going to be paid out and that's going to be paid out to someone. If you have a trust in place, that's going to be paid into your trust. If you have that set to pay to your spouse or say it directly deposits to your children and distributes in half if you have two children or in thirds if you have three children or so on, you're going to be giving somehow, which can be received into the next generation, more money than you put in, which is powerful because now you have the ability to have this wealth tool that is putting the seed of wealth into the next generation. And if you've taught them well, and they use the same strategy and principles to grow wealth and have a solid foundation and have economic value of certainty, and they use that for more life insurance, they're going to then have put in less than will be paid out to the following generation. So you have the ability to not only use this tool, but then train the next generation to use it well. I'm going to bring up um, two other ideas as well. One is that it's also infinite because you have external returns. Now, this depends on what you put the money into. But just say, for instance, you put the you pay dollars into the premium of life insurance, and then you're you're having interest and dividends cause cash or cause growth of your cash value and your death benefit. That is the internal return of the policy. 
In addition, you have an external return. What do I mean by external? If you're new to infinite banking, this might be an unfamiliar concept. So just let me unpack this for a brief moment. If you're already familiar, then this is going to be a refresher. But once you have the money growing inside your life insurance policy, the most beneficial way and most efficient way to use that is to take a policy loan, put that to work in something else. We mentioned um, school, uh, college degrees. That could also be for real estate property. That could be for purchasing businesses or um, buying or paying for specific uh, employees in the business that might be strategically growing the business because of their skill set that you're bringing on. That's a capital infusion. Well, those decisions, you're making this investment with the, the expectation of a return. And that external return is money that you're earning on the on the capital that you borrowed from the life insurance company. So you're not only continuing to grow money inside the life insurance policy while you have this loan outstanding because of dividends and interest are continuing to grow on the life insurance money. In addition to that internal return, you're also getting this external return in this outside investment at the same time. That provides infinite opportunity because you're not just getting one return on your money, you're getting two returns on the same money at the same time. And the second idea is that you are able to do this as many times as you want. That's called velocity of money. So you're able to move money as many times as you like. This is also like recycling your money. So say, for instance, you have a policy. There's $100,000 in your cash value. You take out a policy loan, and that's for a multifamily apartment complex. And say you, you took out close to 100000 you put that into work over in your investment. Then you um, either sell the property or you pay or you um, are renting it for a long period of time and you're buying and holding. Either way, you're going to have some kind of a return. Either it's going to be monthly cash flow that's coming in from your tenants paying rent, or it's going to be a big check because you flipped the property and now you have cash at hand. Either way, you can repay this loan, or maybe you repay the loan from another capital source. Now, as soon as you repay a portion of the loan, it frees up that capital to be used again. So the very next year, if you've repaid the loan, you can have that full cash value available to borrow again. I know I'm uh, making a, a few simplifications because I'm, one thing that's true is you can borrow again, even if you have not fully repaid the loan. You also may be able to borrow again, even if you've not repaid the loan at all, depending on how much growth there is. So it's not true that you have to fully repay a loan to use the money again. It's kind of like a rolling credit line where if you have capital available on a credit card, you you buy something with the credit card, your um, available balance goes down a little bit. And then if you pay off the credit card, your available balance again increases. So it's the same way with or your available credit line. Uh, it's the same way with life insurance, where as soon as you pay back some of that loan, that goes directly to principal and you're able to borrow that again. And you can do that as many times over your lifetime and your children's lives, lifetimes as possible. So you have not only this external return, you also have the velocity of money, both contributing to this infinite nature of infinite banking. And the only limit on what you can do with that money is your own imagination. So Bruce, is there anything that we need to come back to? Um, oh, actually, there's only one other limit that I would like to bring up too. And that's only the only other limit is the lack of capital. And so if you're in a situation where you want to be able to do more with infinite banking and make it more infinite, 
another option is to add policies and increase the cash storage within life insurance. This is something that my family is doing. Bruce, I know you and your family are, and several people that we know that are in this space of infinite banking are continuing to add policies so that you're in continuing to increase that family banking system in your family so that you have the tool for teaching financial stewardship and you also have this capital that the bank or that your family is holding as a bank. Absolutely. I mean, that's this. it's one of the most popular questions I get when I um, am educating a potential client is they ask, well, how many of these policies should I have? And is it better to have multiple policies that are small or one big policy? And of course, you know, everybody gets a little frustrated, but I always say it depends. Mm -hmm. uh, I always say you, you need to take care because we're talking about making an infinite. So you're talking about, well, should I take it out of my children or my grandchildren? I always say you need to take the protection, protect your family first by protecting the income producers at your level. Mm -hmm. That should be the first thing you do is protect the income at your level. Once you protect the income at your level and you do have other cash available or, or your income increases, then you need to consider taking care of the next generations so that they have not only protection for themselves, but once again, a place to store money once your death benefit goes to the next generation. So the, 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 you don't you don't set up the system all in one day. You know, Absolutely. I've, I famously have said this on the podcast. You know, I, my mom and dad started with mine. And when I was born, they handed it over to me. And then I just I've kept adding to the system along the way. Just recently, last November, we converted one of my wife's term uh, policies, term riders that was on the was on, on her contract to a permanent policy by converting it. And now she has two policies on her and I have four on me. So this is, this is a way that you can um, actually make this infinite by continue to add to the system in the same way with Nelson. You know, I mean, uh, I will probably have uh, quite a few more policies down the road. Nelson was, you know, died at 83. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a few more years before I get there. There is a difference in economics, though. You know, um, my my policies are much premiums are much larger than Nelson's were. So I don't know if we will get to that many policies and I don't have any children and I don't have any grandchildren. So that particular need for family bank is not there, although we're passing it along to our nieces and nephews, which is another option. And, and uh, frankly, an option that a lot of people are surprised that I'm building a legacy and I don't have any children because this, this comes up. Why are you making this infinite? You don't even have any children. Well, because I do have a family and I do have a family that I uh, respect and I love and so on and so forth. And so we're building it out from nieces and nephews, which is another possibility for people. I love that you're doing that. And I love that you shared that because I think sometimes it can seem super limiting. Like, well, it goes to my kids. And if I don't have kids that eliminates the need for creating a legacy or creating generational wealth. And you're saying, absolutely, no, it does not eliminate that need because you still are making the best choices that you possibly can in your lifetime that are going to benefit the people in your family that you love. And I love that you shared that, Bruce. I wish that yeah. I had that head start that you had at the beginning as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have clients that are leaving large donations to their church. We have clients that are leaving, leaving large donations to the Humane Society. We have clients that are leaving large donations to the Covenant House, which is a, a place for runaway kids. So, I mean, it's not just leaving a legacy for your family. You can also leave a legacy behind that uh, other organiza- organizations can enjoy um, for, for literally however long they can keep it together. Um, we've yes. actually presented different churches and 501c3 charitable organizations where they could actually take the money that they get from these and take out policies on key members, key, key donors um, in that situation. So they can show an insurable interest because if you're giving somebody like the Covenant House $10,000 a year and suddenly you die and that $10,000 that stops coming in, well, you could, the, the organization could say, Hey, we're going to take some of our endowment and take in a, a life insurance policy out on that person so that when they die, that money then can continue to come in every year through the death benefit in a trust. So there's a variety of ways. See how infinite banking, there's infinite ways of doing this. Well, and it's just so profound that you can have an impact much greater than you might imagine when you provide financial capital in an infinite way, or when you think about using money to create an infinite impact. And so uh, it's just very exciting that you have so much capability in your lifetime. And many people don't think about these options, which is why it's our job to make sure that you're aware of them. Um, Wonder Jackson, thank you for your comments. She just said, wow, uh, I'm, I'm seeing the picture here. So I hope that I hope that you're a lady. I think that you are. Um, thank you so much for being here on the show today. If anyone has any questions, um, go ahead and pop those into the chat real quick. We'd love to answer your questions. Also, if you have questions that you don't have time to type out today or that are a little bit more in depth or are on a specific topic, maybe a little unrelated, we love doing shows that are just your questions. And so we have a few questions that we've banked so far. We're getting ready to do another episode on your questions and answering those. But if you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the show, you can put those into uh, the the comment section on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching this video. You can also email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com so that you can get your questions in the queue. And we'd love to be able to address those on the show And if you have questions that are more specific to your own situation, where you say, you know, here's how much I have, here much is how much uh, life insurance I currently have, or what I'm thinking of doing a policy, putting this much in funding, those kind of questions are not ones that we can answer as much in a public setting because there's unique and individual components of your financial life, your financial picture, your goals, your your entire um, set of circumstances that are unique to you that we need to fully understand in order to make an advising recommendation about what you should do specifically. So if you have those kind of questions, you can hop on over to themoneyadvantage.com and go ahead and book a call with our advisors right there. And that will be a great way for you to be able to get those questions out in the open and be able to talk through how to implement infinite banking for yourself. So I don't see any questions coming in right now. We love to have you here live with us. We also love to hear from our listeners afterwards. We get a lot of comments on YouTube and and sent in by email that way. So 
If you're listening, please go ahead and subscribe. Please like, please share this episode. And we, we love to be able to give you the information that helps you make powerful financial decisions that keep you in control so you can create a legacy that lasts. Bruce, is there anything that you would like to add as we're really capping out this series on what is infinite banking? I just, I think the, the number one thing is um, there's no reason to sensationalize infinite banking. Infinite banking, our uh, whole life, whole life's been around for 250 years. Infinite banking has only been around the concept that was put into guidelines or terms has been around for over 20 years. But as I've said on the podcast before, I was doing it before it was cool. You know, it's people have been doing it. Nelson did it in 1981 when he first borrowed against his policies to pay off his commercial loan. And it took him another 20 years to uh, actually put, put it into a book form. Mm. And people have been doing this for years and years. It's even if they didn't have a moniker to call it infinite banking. It's nothing that should be surprising to people. It's an alternative place to store money that when set up properly, it works much like a bank, although it's not a bank, it works much like a bank. And the great thing about it is you don't interrupt the compounding, you borrow against um, just like you do with a lot of other things. Nelson uses a CD in his book. We've talked about how you borrow against your home on a lot of occasions to use it for a lot of different things. The difference is, is that you have guarantees that are worked into these whole life contracts. And for the people that want to use IULs, I'm not saying IULs are bad. We just don't, we do not believe in them for this concept because they lack the kind of guarantees. Now I know there's going to be people that are going to say they have guarantees. Well, look at what the guarantees are actually uh, guaranteeing. Uh, they're guaranteeing as long as you can continue to put money in. So don't make this more than what it actually is, is, is the final thought I have for day, today on this particular concept. Awesome. Well, I love, I've loved this series. I think it's been very useful. It's been very helpful. And so if you are just coming in now to this series, you can go back all the way to part one, I think about three or four months ago. And we'd love to hear your comments, your questions, your feedback. So thank you for exploring infinite banking. Thank you for choosing to expand your mindset and think differently to be in a position of making choices that will truly benefit you. It takes a unique person to step into that position of saying, I'm going to challenge my past thinking, my past decisions, and make new decisions going forward by evaluating the facts in front of me. So I really commend anyone who is looking at infinite banking and considering making this a new trajectory for their life. I will say as well, um, my husband and I got started with infinite banking. I think our first policy was about nine and a half years ago. And I wish that we had started sooner. Everyone that we talked to who gets a hold of this concept says, I wish I had started sooner. And when we started, it wasn't as much life insurance as we could get. It wasn't both, it wasn't policies on both my husband and I. We didn't have multiple policies happening at that time. We started bigger than we thought we could at the time, but it was still small. And so just get started with the best information you have right now, with the capital you have available right now, and you can continue adding and growing along the way. So with that, 
We'll wrap up here. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.